I'm Nick Park and this is the XXXY Files, a series of messages, podcasts and videos from Evangelical Alliance Ireland on sexuality and gender, helping and equipping Christians to hold and share a biblical position with clarity and love. File 7, A Better Alternative. Two weeks ago, Tim Keller died and went to be with the Lord. In 2020, he wrote an article published by the Gospel Coalition on why the early church made such an impact on the Roman world. A tiny persecuted minority changed the greatest empire the world had ever seen. According to Keller, the early church was a unique social project. It was based on a decision rather than an accident of birth. Most Roman citizens worshipped the gods of their tribe or nation. It was multi-ethnic and multicultural, and it operated on a very different ethical and moral basis than surrounding society. This was manifested in compassion, a reverence for life, and sexual purity. Then Keller says this, It was because the early church didn't fit in with its surrounding culture but rather challenged it in love, that Christianity eventually had such an effect on it. And as I read that, I thought, yes, he's exactly right. But then the next line hit me like a punch in the gut. Could essentially the same social project have a similar effect if it were carried out today? What Tim Keller was saying in his own perceptive and inimitable way was that the church today is failing to challenge our surrounding culture in love. And I hate to admit it, but he's right. If we are really honest, the surrounding culture is changing the church more than the church is changing the culture. Why? What's different? What's missing? After serving in Christian ministry for over 40 years, let me share some difficult truths with you. The early church had a passion for holiness and purity. They saw that the surrounding world was evil and they determined to live differently. They refused to buy into the priorities and values of the culture of the day. They rejected its worldliness, political ambition and greed. They were passionate about holiness and righteousness, not as a stick to criticise everybody else, but to live their lives in a way that was different. And other people watched them. They saw the Christians' compassion for the poor, the sick and the suffering. They saw how Christians refused to participate in the treachery, backstabbing and money-grabbing that was supposedly necessary to succeed in Roman society. They saw how Christian marriages were built on love, respect and faithfulness. They saw how Christians' children grew up surrounded by protection and affirmation instead of suffering the abuse that happened in other families. They saw that these values were so important to Christians that they were prepared to die rather than to live like the rest of the world. They saw something that was radically different than the surrounding culture. When people looked at this unique Christian lifestyle, many of them were prompted to join the Christians. Many others didn't become Christians, but they grudgingly admitted that what the Christians had was good and represented ideals that were worth pursuing. 
the Roman Empire never became a Christian empire in the sense that the majority of Roman citizens were born again by faith in Christ. But the values that Christians lived out gradually changed the empire's ideas of what was right or wrong. And that changed laws, morality, and actually improved everybody's lives in many different ways. Oh, it wasn't perfect. There was still plenty of sin and plenty of cruelty. But many things did change for the better as Christianity influenced the culture. Today, our surrounding culture is still looking at Christianity. And it grieves me to say it. For the most part, the world doesn't see something unique. It doesn't see a better way of living. It doesn't see an alternative counterculture that attracts and inspires. A few years ago, I was staying at a hotel on Florida's Gulf Coast. This particular chain of hotels provides a reception for guests each night with free food and drinks. The food isn't very good, but when you're traveling on a budget, free is very good. I was going up for my second or third plate of spaghetti when I saw a woman out of the corner of my eye and realized I knew her from somewhere. Her, her appearance was very distinctive because she'd obviously had a significant amount of cosmetic surgery. It took me a while, but then I realized she was the wife of a prominent TV evangelist. Most of you would instantly recognize his name. Shortly afterwards, I went out into the hotel lobby to visit the toilets. And this woman's husband was standing at the front desk, obviously short, short, sorting out an issue to do with his room. And the receptionist asked him his name, so he gave his name and spelled it out for her. Instantly, across the lobby, I saw a young couple look up at the sound of that name. And then they started sniggering, and my heart broke. This evangelist had been involved in a high-profile moral failure 30 years previously. The young people in that hotel lobby had not even been born when that happened but they immediately associated his name with moral failure and hypocrisy. I wish that his case was an isolated incident, but it isn't. In the years since then, we have seen one scandal after another. Sometimes it's celebrity pastors, sometimes Christian apologists or TV evangelists, and each moral failure leaves heartbreak in its wake. Often that heartbreak is amplified by a lack of accountability, by deceits, excuses and cover-ups. Now some of us are ministering to young people who attended Soul Survivor youth events in England over the years, but are devastated by recent allegations concerning the founder of that movement. We see celebrity pastors divorcing their spouses, remarrying and continuing in ministry as if nothing untoward had happened. The tragic reality is that all too often the church is reflecting the world's standards and values back at society rather than modelling a better way. And as the people of God, we need to return to a place where knowing God and walking in holiness before him are the most important priorities in the church. Success is not to be measured in the size of our congregations, the strength of our finances, the relevance of our worship, the buildings we construct, or the politicians and media personalities with whom we associate. Success is when lives are changed, marriages are strengthened, 
and we start to live lives that demonstrate the presence of God in our midst. Otherwise, we simply look like a bunch of hypocrites. Let me give you one example. Many of my Christian friends in the United States are protesting loudly against drag queens, accusing them of grooming younger people. Now, I believe that bringing men dressed as women into schools is totally inappropriate. I fail to see how such events contribute anything positive to a child's education. I would encourage Christian parents to withdraw their children from such activities. And I would urge Christian educators to use their influence to prevent such events. But let's consider that grooming accusation for a moment. How many drag queens have ever been convicted of grooming children? Very few, if any. Yet every week in the United States, pastors and youth pastors are arrested and subsequently convicted for grooming and engaging in abusive relationships with young people. Do you see why we look like hypocrites? We throw out accusations at others about grooming, but the church has often failed to address its own problems with grooming. This does not mean that we have to be silent. Our past failures should not muzzle us, but we should learn to speak from a place of humility. We still need to teach biblical values, including those of sexual integrity. But our primary goal in this is to practice what we preach. We still need to empower and help parents to protect their children. But we also need to be rigorous in implementing child protection policies and procedures in our churches. The culture in which we live is undoubtedly broken. I honestly believe that the Church of Jesus Christ is the only hope for this world. That means we must, in Tim Keller's words, challenge the culture in love. It is not enough to simply rail against one or two aspects of the surrounding culture while conforming to so many of its other values and assumptions. We need to passionately and relentlessly build a counterculture in the church that is built on obedience to God's word and pursues the holiness without which no one shall see the Lord, according to Hebrews 12, 14. Feel free to get in touch with me at nick at evangelical.ie. As I say each week, I want to avoid misunderstandings. And if there are aspects we're missing out and need to cover, then I'd love to know about that. When I teach this kind of material in a seminar or a conference, then we usually have question and answer sessions. So please do feel free to get in touch if you need something clarified or have a concern, a criticism or a word of encouragement. And do join us next week for message number eight in the XXXY files.